Blog Talk Radio. Hello, hello, hello. I want to welcome all our listeners in the U.S. and around the world. I'm Jackie Laura Jones, here with you for True Forgiveness Teachings. I am thrilled to be back with you all for another episode. I am hoping that this podcast finds you and your families well in these unprecedented, challenging times in what we call the world, right? So my guest today is a great friend, author, attorney, literature scholar with a master's in library science. He has been inspired to be in service in many ways, not the least of which is through his inspired writings. His book, Love, Source, Joy. Isn't that a great title? Love, Source, Joy, Mystic Hymns and Sonnets, takes you along on his journey that celebrates his spiritual path. So he grew up with A Course in Miracles uh, in the 70s, and it is wonderful to welcome him to the podcast. Welcome, Thomas. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to finally be able to do this. Yay. I know. We were talking about it for a while. It's just interesting, and, and things seem to just happen in right timing, <laughs> don't they? It just all of it's a sudden. so true. Something comes comes to be, and I was, you know, texting Thomas, and I'm like, "What about this? Okay, maybe maybe March, April. Oh, you know what? Maybe May." <laughs> and so we finally got it together. And so I'm so thrilled. And you guys, uh, for all the listeners, <clears throat> I met Thomas in my course group. I had an in-person course group for a long time, starting in 2016, uh, for four years. And coincidentally, um, I stopped doing the in-person course group. I was doing a lot online and COVID hit like right after that. And it was really weird that I had stopped, I think in March of 20 what was it 19 maybe or 2020 oh yeah oh. our our sense of time is is so collapsed after being in lockdown i, I have the same trouble trying to remember dates uh, isn't that the weirdest thing so i did so anyway met thomas you were you know coming to our course group gosh what a great group of people you know yeah that was um, that was an incredible time and i should say for the benefit of your listeners ja- jackie is exactly in in person as she is on the show just a very loving kind presence you know, you're you're getting authentic jackie on 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 her show <laughs> oh my god oh, what a thoughtful thing to say <laughs> thank you yeah god. i try i try to butter up my hosts before i before i proceed <laughs> Brownie points for you. That's right. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. No. Well, we did have such a great time, such a great group of people. Um, I do miss the in-person a lot. I'm not you know, sure what I'll be doing in the, in the future, but it was just a wonderful collaboration. I loved sharing the message. I love sharing this message. I loved our group, loved the input, hearing people's stories, which yours is, you know, awesome and 
you know, we're all linked in some way. I feel like when people share their stories and experiences, it, it just, it helps everyone, you know, and I love to highlight just different people and their journeys on this podcast. Um, so let's start a little bit with, it's interesting that you grew up with the course. I mean, why don't you tell us a little bit about that, how that all came to be, Thomas? Right. Yeah. So I was born in 78 and my uh, my mother grew up with sort of traditional Christianity. Uh, but in uh, ni- by 1982, we were going to a unity church in Birmingham, Alabama. So I, I'm originally from Miami, but we were uh, living in Birmingham. And unity has often been, you know, a kind of friend of the course. And uh, right. some people came through town and they gave a little presentation on the course. And you know, my mother had kind of been looking around because she was just not happy with the, the kind of standard Christian belief system. And as soon as she heard a talk about the course, she knew that this was going to be her path. And so, you know, she got the blue books and started up a reading <laughs> group. And we eventually moved to Tennessee, which is where I grew up. And she she ran a reading group, you know, ever ever since the, that time in various forms. Amazing. Yeah, and so I sort of grew up uh, with a couple of key ideas. Uh, number one, uh, God is love, and anything that is not love is not God. Um, and number two, we can use forgiveness to return ourselves back to our awareness of God. And those are like huge core concepts of the course. So so growing up with, with that, uh, that kind of background, it, it did help me put – a lot of experiences in, into context and, and to know uh, what our experiences are for, which is, um, you know, to practice forgiveness, to use this world to sort of unlock our belief in the world and return our minds to, to love. But I, I know I'm not the first person you've had on your show who grew up with the course, and I'm sure there's going to be more, you know, as we go forward and more people who study the course have, have children and it, it becomes a generational thing. So I, I don't know what other people's experience was, but for me, I, I would say growing up with it was extremely helpful. But uh, when I was in my twenties, I, I kind of had to come full circle and reaffirm that the course is my path in a way that, you know, um, it was very critical at that time. So even if you grow up with this stuff, you, you still have to, practice it and say, you know, the course is my path. And what does that mean? It means I have to actually do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Knowing it and doing it are two different things, right? Understanding right. and practicing it are two different things. So in your 20s, you were kind of reaffirming, you know, people have to, you know, we're living in the world. We need to do do the things that we're doing. So, yeah, I'm interested in, in your 20s, what you were going to say, you're, you're kind of reaffirming this is the path for you. What sort of things did you experience? Yeah, so it, when I was in college, I, I was really focused, uh, maybe to an unhealthy degree on literature. And I was reading a lot of uh, literature from antiquity. Uh, I was studying ancient Greek and reading Homer and Euripides and 
that sort of thing. And I, I, it got really into a kind of cerebral, uh, thing and, you know, you can kind of be like, Oh, well, I'm reading Homer and Euripides and that's what matters, you know? So I was not mm-hmm. really focusing on the course. It's funny. I, I had, you know, I always had a copy of the book around and I would from time to time look at it. But in, when I was in college, it was really about experiencing life, I guess, going out and meeting people. And then also just the studies I was doing, but what's, what started to happen to me was that I, I started to have really intense anxiety and, and dread. And I, I kind of thought, okay, well, that's there. I'm feeling anxiety, but, um, you know, I'm just going to keep doing all this awesome stuff. You know, I'm going to keep like reading all this cool literature and, you know, doing things that I think are exciting and, and maybe I can just compartmentalize the anxiety and, and just kind of, kind of have it there, but not really have to deal with it. But, by the time I was 24 and I was in graduate school, that my, my anxiety and, and sense of dread, which really was, you know, I mean, the course says that uh, fear is the fabric of all dreams. And so, you know, mm-hmm. this anxiety is really latent in the mind. It's, it's always there. The question is, you know, can we try to make the best out of the idea of separation and, and try to compromise with it and try to eke out, you know, just a little bit of, happiness for ourselves in, in a, in a dream world, you know, or, or does it get to a point where the anxiety is so intense that that's no longer possible? And that happened to me when I was 24, I just got to a point where anxiety was no longer to be compartmentalized. It was front and center. I I was extremely unhappy and I was going to have to to deal with it. And um, this was particularly acute at night when I, I was having insomnia, I couldn't sleep. Um, and I, uh, my mother actually had visited and brought uh, another copy of the course. And so I, I just reached for it and was reading it. And, and at that time, I was so far gone that even like the kind words of the course were anxiety inducing a little bit. Sure, you know? sure. Um, absolutely. But uh, the net effect was that I found the voice of the course very soothing. And so, uh, you know, without really understanding the course or, uh, you know, too, too well, because I, I was in that state, I just found the, it was almost like a lullaby. I just reading it was like, it was mm-hmm. calming, it was soothing, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it helped me to kind of calm down and get to sleep. And so I started, it was just became my nightly thing. It's like, okay, I'm, I read the course at night. This is how I, I, I get myself to, to relax. But then by the end of my first year in law school, uh, Gary's book, The Disappearance came out. And uh, uh, yeah, so and so, uh, you know, my my mother, who's like, I'm just eternally grateful because she's been the source of the source of the source for me. Uh, She she was reading John uh, Mundy's newsletter and read about the disappearance and uh, bought a copy and read it. And she's like, hey, I think you'd really like this book. I think you should read it. So she actually got a copy of that book for for me. And and so I read it and. the summer of 2003 and it just opened all the doors to to my understanding oh that's wonderful anybody tuning in for the first time there's a lot of listeners that'll tune in this is a podcast about a course in miracles and thomas was referring to uh gary renard's book the disappearance of the universe who is my brother-in-law so that's a reference for that yeah (laughs) (laughs) 
So a yeah. family that practices the course. That's right. So, yeah. So I read the I read the disappearance, and I was I, I I felt just this tremendous sense of elation for like three days, and I was at I was walking around this lake on the campus and looking at the ducks, and I just felt like. I have the key, you know, like I can unlock all of this. I can, I can mm-hmm. release, you know, the ego thought system and unlock it and return to source. And then when the three days were up, it was like, uh, then I went into a depression. <laughs> okay. right. Oh, right up all the ego's the, alley, ups and downs, yeah, right? Exactly. Ups and downs. Like all the unconscious stuff started to come <laughs> up and it just sure. started this process of, that I'm still going on today of undoing it and choosing against it. Absolutely. It's very important. I, you, this brings up some very important points. So many people deal with anxiety, depression, um, just bipolar, just natural, the ups and downs of this world, which the ego thought system would have it no other way um, because this is duality here. Good, bad, up, down, hot, cold, left, right, this, that. Um, so you're that's interesting. Um, how did you? We have the course, which is done at the level of the mind, which is so helpful as the as the backdrop. And you saying that you had that around and everything for your anxiety. What did you do um, in the world for it? Was there anything that that really helped you that you were doing simultaneously while practicing the course at the level of the mind? Yeah, there's so many things. Uh, the workbook has 365 of them. Uh, but um, <laughs> right. I, yeah, there, I mean, there are, so the course is like, it's the same idea said 10,000 times. And it, right. it's said 10,000 times because if you say things in slightly different ways, one of them might click. And so, mm-hmm. you know, when we study the course for each of us, there's going to be certain things that kind of stand out as, uh, okay, if, you know, if I just, if I practice this idea or that idea, um, you know, it's, it's going to help, help unlock all this stuff. I, I think I, I don't quite, I mean, I've always, so I did the workbook. I did the journey through the workbook with, with Kenneth Wabnick, which I highly recommend. It's really amazing. Highly recommend me too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It really accelerated. Uh, so, so Gary was sort of the gateway to me getting more into Kenneth Wapnick's writings. And, and so, yes. you know, the, the journey through the workbook was so, so helpful uh, yes. But um, I mean, well, I can only say what I'm doing now because I don't quite remember uh, back then. But, you know, because our minds are connected and what I think about you is what I think about me. One of the biggest things that I do is to just go around and keep thinking, you know, whoever I see or whatever the situation is, you are wholly worthy of God's love. Mm, you know, I, I say that in my mind and and. And that's sort of reaffirming that we're, well, we're, I mean, we're one. We're one in God. All right. Absolutely. So, so that, that's, that's one of the big things. And then, of course, in Gary's book, Persa provides a, her forgiveness example or exercise, you know. And so I, I memorized mm-hmm. that and I would recite it. And I would do this thing called like the parade of horrors, which is <laughs> I, I, I would go into like <laughs> What's a that? – yeah, I would go into like a meditative state and I would, cl- you know, close my eyes and I would just imagine all the stuff from the day that was upsetting or disturbing or anxiety uh-huh. inducing or all the things that I thought were going to happen in the future. And I would just visualize all of that stuff 
And then I would start using uh, Persis forgiveness exercise on it. So it would come up, I would acknowledge it, I would feel it, and then I would I would do the the exercise, you know, which is really so so like wrong-minded thinking is any thought that I have where I think I'm separate from my source, and right-minded right. thinking is any thought I have where I affirm that I'm I've never left uh, God's mind. I'm one with source. And so mm-hmm. the, what we call forgiveness is really just reorienting what we think about ourselves. And one of the best ways to do that is to change the way that we think about others. So mm-hmm. just telling, telling the world, whatever it is, you know, if it's, um, you know, a virus or uh, uh, a military invasion or, uh, you know, whatever, it, or, you know, the homelessness in Los Angeles where, where I live, you know, you are wholly worthy of God's love, you know, uh, mm-hmm. just over and over and over. And that that's a big thought for me. You know, everyone is going to have kind of their own their own linchpin. Exactly. That's a great linchpin. And, you know, just as a recap uh, for everyone and as a reminder, and also for the new listeners that are always tuning in, um, the course is what Thomas is talking about is an advanced form of forgiveness, right? Um, so what the course's form of forgiveness does, um, of course, in miracles, the miracle being this shift from the ego as your teacher to the Holy Spirit or Jesus or your higher self or whoever you're practicing with, the course uses the term, uses Jesus and the Holy Spirit. But this advanced form of forgiveness is really recognizing what you think is happening in the world or what you think your brother has done to you has not occurred because this is your dream and we're all witnessing a projection here. And so, and Thomas is speaking about, we really are all one when you're forgiving your seeming external circumstances, the wars going on, right? And all the pandemic, right? We know what the real virus is, the ego thought system. We know this is the guilt, you know, the unconscious guilt that we feel because we feel we've sinned against God, right? So this is unconscious to us. So the advanced form of forgiveness is recognizing that we think what has occurred has not really occurred and we're taking responsibility for our thoughts and our projection and when we're in the holy spirit mind the right-minded thought system we recognize the reminder is that this is our dream guys and so we're able to forgive our projected images whatever they are and forgive ourselves for dreaming them then we can join the holy spirit in peace and this advanced form of forgiveness is, is no easy task, <laughs> but as you keep practicing it, it becomes part of who you are. You can call on it, and you're strengthening that part of your mind. We've all been, you know, born, quote, born into this experience um, that where we believe in the world, and the ego is our default system. So we do need help out of the dream and once we're able to look at everything from above the battleground meaning from the mind's perspective christ's vision our right-minded perspective we're able to recognize and take responsibility for our dream and 
the benefits are immeasurable because then Thomas's quote is great that he uses, you are wholly worthy of God's love. It's reminding all of us because we're one, we're joining with that thought in the mind. And because it's a hologram, we're all one with that thought. So you're not joining with the ego, with the fear in people. You're reminding them that we're one. You're reminding them of the wholeness. And it reminds yourself because there's no separation. Course is teaching there's only one of us out there, right? And Thomas, a great point that you said too about looking at it, looking at the dark stuff in your experience, right? In the mind, the things that come up that bring us fear. That is so important um, to look at everything because when we're looking with our right minded perspective, we can be reminded of the miracle, of the atonement. Wait a minute. The separation has not occurred. God is only love. Like your key idea at the beginning, God is love. Anything not love is not God. And how do we get back to that awareness? Well, the Course's method is this advanced forgiveness, right? Amazing. And it's just wonderful to, to practice. And we all have our ways that we that we do that. And as I was saying earlier, it's funny because it's no no easy task. Meaning, there's no guilt and shame, you guys, in the things that we experience here as bodies: the anxiety, the depression, just the problems that we have, the, the endless seeming problems, right? Relationships. Oh my goodness, all of these special relationships. But when they're used for a different purpose, the ego's purpose is, oh, my gosh, this is a real threat. Everything is real, right? What is outside of me, I'm alone. I have to deal with all these things. But if we switch and say, I would like to see this situation differently, however we start, whatever phrase you use, just the willingness to look at something differently gives you the power of God's love behind you to remind you that you are love, that you're not sin, that you're not guilty. And these are stepping stones. We don't go from A to Z all the time and understand all the metaphysics, but we can understand that Jesus' love, the Holy Spirit's love, meets us where we are. And it meets us in the dream and helps us use the things here that help us with anxiety, with anything that we're going through simultaneously in the backdrop, the template of our mind. We have the idea of what's really going on here and we're gentle and kind with ourselves on the way back up the ladder right to the home we never left. So there's never any shame and guilt in our processes here. This is what we've, we've scripted out. The ego has scripted out for us. We turn the tables on it. We use it as our classroom in forgiveness. And that produces a very different internal experience. With yeah, that's... Experiences. Sorry, yeah, go ahead. go ahead. No, no. I was gonna, yeah, go ahead. And then I was going to go into the experiences of you starting your writing. But right, I mean, right. Yeah. I mean, so, you're going to say, yeah. Sure. Um, 
I, I can I can I can say that after doing this for a couple of decades, my internal experience is different, and I, I realize that there's this sort of bundle of thoughts at the center of my awareness that's been telling me who I am and what I'm doing and what my life is, and that um, I, I, I I'm not that, you know. I, I've slowly realize that those thoughts that are coming in and, and the statements about what I am are just not, not my reality. So now I'm, I'm more open to, um, accepting, um, uh, uh, accepting truth, you know, accepting the truth of what we are. So mm. less, less identification said. with the ego. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's not said. something, yeah, this is not something new, but when you experience it, I guess that's the big difference. Uh, understanding what the course is saying and then experiencing the changes in our lives. They're, they're just so different. Totally different. You're right. That is such a great point, uh, which I've talked about before many times. It's, it's important to have the understanding, right? The intellectual understanding, the experience of living the course is completely different. So it's an, it's an excellent point that just comes with practice guys, practice and willingness you know, to let go. And, you know, I'm interesting, or I'm interested, Thomas, rather, in what now, how you came to this writing, your your background, right, in just studying literature and everything has resulted in your book, Love, Source, Joy, you know, and you started spontaneously writing, you said, in 2018, right? What happened right. to that? Yeah, so I, I had spent a lot of my 20s uh, really almost, uh, I think I had said already, at an unhealthy level, uh, uh, obsessing about, about literature and trying to mm-hmm. learn the fundamentals of style and, you know, how to, um, you know, construct a, a poem that has a lot of imagery, but also, uh, you know, use of sound and, you know, just a, is a very sensual experience with words. Uh, but uh, that all kind of shut down when dealing with anxiety came to the core of my life. And I realized like that really needed to be my life's work. Um, and so I put the writing aside uh, for a while and every now and then I would think about it. Uh, and, and I, I so actually what I learned over time was that the real poetry is God's love. So I guess mm-hmm. for me, before I could really write, I had to learn not to write and to learn what, what poetry really means to me, which is, um, which is feeling, feeling God's love. But in 2018, um, my life just, my personal life was just completely turned upside down in an unexpected way. Um, a long-term relationship came to an abrupt end. And um, in a sense, I, I sort of lost uh, my whole sense of my life. Uh, and so um, you know, I was alone living in Los Angeles um, didn't really know anyone. And that's actually why you, I started going to your group because my, my fallback is always, okay, find course students, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, oh, where am I? Okay. Where's the nearest course group. I've got to like where's meet some the... people and have some friends, you know? Right. So, uh, so, but I, I, you know, I, in, in, so I had the course and I was practicing the course and I have, you know, exercises that are very helpful for, for that kind of thing that are, that are from the course. But I, I was spontaneously writing again after, you know, 12, 13 year hiatus. And um, I, uh, I was just writing about the world around me. And I was, frankly, I was writing about Los Angeles, which as I, I mentioned earlier, has a lot of homelessness and a lot of desperation and, 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, I could uh, leave my apartment and walk down the street to get a cup of coffee and just see people, you know, digging through the trash and, you know, sleeping mm-hmm. on the pavement. And, um, you know, it's just it was just incredible. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, the sense of, of being homeless and what does it mean to be homeless and, um, you know, not not to uh, minimize um, the experiences that that homeless people are having, but it also is a symbol for us uh, of how we see ourselves as being w- without our home, you know, in yes. God. And, Very symbolic. Um, yeah. So, it, and, and I just, I, I, I think in my state of mind with the sense of loss that I was feeling, I was really identifying with that and I was writing about it. And I, um, I, I, I guess I was in this kind of critical period of changes and I did what I'd always wanted to do, which was to call Kevin Ryerson and have a reading with Atun Ray. I'd always been curious about that. Mm-hmm. So I set up the appointment. I, I spoke with friend of the show, Atun Ray. Uh, and, uh, you know, he did this kind of uh, Socratic series of questions where he was asking me about my, you know, what matters to me. And I'm talking about my spiritual beliefs and I'm talking, and he's like, well, tell me about A Course in Miracles. And I'm talking about forgiveness and how you practice forgiveness. And then he, you know, we're, we start talking about my writing and he, he says, well, what, what are you writing about? And I, I, I just very clumsily said, oh, I'm, I'm writing about homelessness. And he said, <laughs> have you ever thought about writing about homelessness from the perspective of forgiveness? And that was just like, how, how could I have these two parallel lines in my mind that were not touching? You know, it's like, I'm studying the, yeah, I'm studying the course. I'm trying to practice it. I'm trying to wake up. And at the same time, I'm writing from the ego perspective of like, I'm separate and I'm miserable, you know? And like, it just was like, he wasn't literally telling me right about homelessness from the course perspective. What he was saying was, use your writing to bring in right-minded thinking. And, and that was like just such a huge revolutionary concept for me was to bridge the, my literary interests with the course, which should seem like just totally obvious, but for whatever reason was escaping my attention until he, he pointed that out. Uh, and that was really the genesis of, of, of the project. Amazing. You know, what's so funny. I know people can relate to this. Something that, like you said, does seem so obvious. You don't connect it. <laughs> it's happened so many times in my life. And then when you connect it, you go, oh, yes. You know, that is just so interesting. Wow. So that was, that was such an informative, helpful piece uh, in your life to have that reading. And Yeah, I'll always be grateful for, for that insight. It really changed my life. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, that's so amazing. And then you were you were kind of just off in writing. Let me ask you this as a fellow writer. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. we have writers out there listening. Does it flow for you? Do you have a a specific process or what how would you say your writing goes? Oh, yeah. Uh okay. So uh, so while I, while I was doing this, I was also uh in a a very in, intense law practice with long hours and a lot of stress. And uh, so I, I would, um, you know, I could have like a 12 hour work day, but I, what I would do is I would get up, I, I would give myself an hour before work. So I, I really what this, the answer to your question is lose sleep. 
uh, just don't sleep. I need to make time. Yeah. yeah, I need to make time for this. It's all about time, right? So right, I, would, right, right. I, I would get up an extra hour early and at night before I went to sleep, I would carve out, you know, another half hour or an hour. And for me, uh, my writing flows from my reading. So I would, always, I, would, I would pick certain things that I was really excited about that I would read. And then what I would write would just flow out of that. And the things that I write are like the things that I enjoy reading. And so, uh, you know, it's just, it just kind of is a, like, it just dovetails with, you know, like they say, like, write what you know. And I would say, okay, also <laughs> write what you love, you know, write what you love. So. Yes. Yes. I love those two. Write what you know and write, write what you love. Because yeah. I, that's what I kind of have, have been doing too. I didn't think of it that way, the way you said it. But I get inspiration often in the mornings. I'll have just maybe an hour and a half or two sometimes of quiet time. And I'm reading something too, Thomas, something from the course or whatever. And I'm connecting it to something in my life. And I'll say, oh, I'm going to share that oh, I'm going to share this concept or, oh, this is going to be helpful for relationships. I'll think about something about Mark and I or whatever. Um, I got a lot of comments on my relationship chapter in my first book, and that was born out of kind of what you said, writing about what you know and your experience and how I practiced the course with it. So it's really interesting, but I, I do – some writers will – ask me my writing process. So that's why I wanted to ask you about yours too, because mine's pretty spontaneous. I mean, you do have to set aside time, but I find that in the morning for me, usually like the early morning when I, when I get up is I just get inspiration looking out the breakfast nook window and I'll just think about things. I'm like, Ooh, that's going to go in this chapter. Ooh, ooh, that could go in that chapter. <laughs> Things like that, you know. Just yeah, it's a really exciting and fun process. And I have to say, uh, uh, regardless of the results, uh, I had just so much fun writing the book. And it, it did That's kind of open awesome. up a, a, a channel in, in me uh, to, I guess, you know, what people would call the higher self or however you, you want to phrase it. I mean, moving sure. into the right mind and and doing writing with right-minded thinking just made right-minded thinking more familiar and more a part of my experience. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll always be just tremendously grateful. Um, and I, I did kind of have a flip in, in style. So I started out writing these kind of classical in a classical sonnet form, which is, uh, you know, a form in European literature. It's been around for several centuries. I was mm -hmm. practicing it the way it was done in the 19th century uh, with French writers like Baudelaire and Rambo, who were, who were two big influences on, on my writing style. And so I, mm. I, I just said, you know, I, nobody likes this kind of stuff, but I don't care. I think sonnets are beautiful and I want to write sonnets. So I wrote, oh. a, a, oh. <laughs> I wrote a, I wrote a sonnet cycle and it, it started out with just, being downtown down in downtown Los Angeles with the sun rising and the buildings gleaming and, you know, the, the park and the birds and the people going to work and just these, this feeling of, of beauty that's just, that as, as the sun rises and dawns and, and, and illuminates it. everything, you know, writing about like that kind of stuff. Uh, but I did eventually get a little bogged down with that because a sonnet is a very unforgiving form. It's kind of a, a canned pre prepackaged, 
rhyme scheme that's 14 lines and there's no variation. And I, I was just kind of hitting a, a dead end. And our friend Atun Ray uh, gave me another piece of advice in another reading that uh, has you know permanently altered the way that I think, which is uh, to 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 pursue fluidity over perfection. He said you're getting too bogged down in perfection. Oh, he said, and he, he, yeah, he he had me look at like images of art from the Amarna period when the Pharaoh Akhenaten was bringing in cultural reforms, and he said, you see how like the static geometric shapes of Egyptian art were abandoned and in the Amarna period it's these long flowing curvy lines and you know people have pot bellies and they have you know all of these little details that are really humanizing he, he said right. you know you really need to learn to to be bring some jazz into your writing and and and, and make it fluid and uh, and so that's the front part of the book is where I just abandoned the sonnet structure and just went into like total you know whatever's coming through is what it is you know and 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 my my whole goal was to get to a point where i could i would revise as little as possible so i wanted to train myself to just be like a a stenographer machine so it just it just comes in i write it as it comes in and and with very little editing after the fact it just is what it is and if it doesn't make or if it's grammatically or syntactically confusing it it just it just is what it is you know (laughs) So yeah. it was very fun, very, very uh, liberating to write like that. Oh, my God. You know what? I even feel it viscerally. What a huge moment that, that was for you. And I, I've got to say, this is I have done so many sessions with different clients over the years where we're talking about, look, at people are, are trying to be perfect. They get stagnated because they feel like some, perfection is a you can't reach it it's something that's out there that's not something you can reach you're always do you know what i mean that it doesn't exist you're just reaching for something more and more instead of being in the being in the flow with things and right. i can just imagine how that freed you up tremendously in my own way i too have had to boy i haven't done certain things because I was like waiting till I thought it would be how I wanted it to be or how I thought it should be. Some of my younger years, I look back on that younger self and say, wow, not in a judgmental way, but in a way of noticing that I really could have put things out or done things but it was almost like it was this imaginary waiting in my mind until I thought it would be how it should be instead of just having it be how it is you know it's just yeah, it's a very and, very different way to approach things isn't it yeah and there, this is a this is a current running through our culture right now I mean despite all, all of the madness uh, on the surface there are so many people uh, who are looking for what they call a state of flow and, and what they're doing. And um, yes. this is really uh, gaining a lot of momentum. I, uh, earlier in the, you know, I, I'm not a, I'm not a lover of public speaking. And so I decided to take a course and I took a course with these guys who I think are revolutionizing the way that we think about public speaking and what they train you to do is to get into an authentic flow state where you're just coming right from yourself. And I realized that, like, the thing that's so scary about public speaking is just being 
who we are and saying, you know, what, what we are and, 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 and revealing ourselves. But, you know, when I, when I would speak in front of groups in this class, the times that I was successful were the times where it was just like, okay, this is who I am and this is what I think. And it just, and it just was not only did I feel comfortable speaking that way, but it had it, like people enjoyed listening times when I was guarded or cerebral or went into like something abstract <laughs> to try to protect myself, people were, they lost interest, you know? Yes. Oh my gosh. I love it that you shared that. Um, it, it, <laughs> it's amazing when you just let things go and you're right. Be authentic with it. What, what I do a lot of the times, um, you guys is I, like, I prepare things. Okay. So I'm teaching online classes or I'm giving a lecture or joining a course group or speaking at a conference, there's a theme or there's, so I, I prepare it, you know, I say, Oh, okay. I'm making my notes, but listen, it, it goes where it goes. I completely give everything over. I have like a structure, um, but Hey, you step in and what really flows through when you're a channel, things just happen you're just not expecting or whatever, and you get to the point, it, it doesn't even matter. And the talk or the whatever you're doing goes where it goes. And Thomas, you are so right. Um, the harder we try, hey, with good intentions and, good, you know, <laughs> trying to be, you know, helpful to people and stuff like that. But um, when, you, when you try to do something and you do get really cerebral because you're watching yourself, you're monitoring yourself or you're monitoring reaction or your whatever you're doing, it takes you right out of the flow. And so I feel very inspired that you found this course where these people were, you know, encouraging that because there's something and we hear it all the time, don't we? There's just something about being authentic and just sh sharing your experience in your wording and how you do it, you know, in your yeah. voice. That's really powerful. And I just encourage people. Um, there is an awakening occurring and there are many people that are, you can say this in many different ways. It's another topic, you know, for, for another time, but they're, they're awakening to just more of them, Themselves. Their mind is expanding. People are getting more inspired ideas. They're not in this this little little box that they used to be in. And when you really allow just your gifts, your voice to come through, it doesn't matter if you're doing it with the your CPA and you're with your clients um, during tax season. You know, you're a, a janitor, a parent, a whatever. When you're really Getting in touch with that flow starts with, yep, in the world, things like self-worth, knowing that you're, you know, um, that you're worthy, that you have something to say, to contribute to children, to, to people, to your family, to whatever. And one thing that I always say, too, I wake up, I, I just, I know it sounds just really simple. I just wake up and I say, well, how can I be of service today? Meaning how can I just get the ego out of the way and show up 
in all my roles. Okay, I'm going to do a little writing today. I have sessions today. Oh, Monday I have True Forgiveness Teachings podcast with Thomas. Oh, I'm going to be doing things with my mother and taking her to the library and la, la, la. All our different roles, right? If we show up being miracle ready, meaning we're connected to spirit and looking at it from the standpoint of we know things are going to come up to trigger us during the day. We know that we're going to vacillate into the ego thought system and back and forth. We know that. And when we're ready, we can more quickly remember what everything is for and say, oh, class is in session right now. I'm, I'm, I'm triggered. I'm this. I'm that. And we're able to navigate our lives here and all our roles from a different place. So I often just say, okay, another day. Gee, how can I be of service? Meaning, again, just getting the ego out of the way and letting the content of love in my mind when I'm connected with source lead all my functioning. You know? It's helpful. Yeah, it's beautiful. So getting to that point sometimes. You know, speaking of a, a great awakening... Let me try to pull this up on the iPad. It occurred to me, can I read something from your blog? Um, and Thomas's website and where you can get his book and everything, I put that in the description, guys, but it's thomasbruder.com, uh, T-H-O-M-A-S-B-R-U-D-E-R.com. And in your blog, the title is A Culture of Mysticism, and you say, A Great Awakening is occurring across humanity, there are now many active, helpful teachers from numerous spiritual paths and traditions to assist us in this awakening. It makes sense, then, that in addition to the teachings of various mysticisms, there should arise a culture of mysticism reflecting the prevailing attitude as our species moves from fragmentation to greater understanding that such I, that such ideas would appear now in our music, our literature, our television and film, and other areas of human undertaking as spiders, their webs or peacocks, their trains. I have made verse humble my hope that it makes some small contribution to this culture. And that's your love, source, joy, among it, many other things. And I just love that. And I hope everyone out there is inspired to do what they, what they do, what you feel like doing. Guys, this can be raising your children. No one's talking about it has to be something on a global scale, right? What, what the, the global scale, the globe, the world is in your mind, and we want to change our mind about the world, and we can heal, quote, the world by healing our mind, healing our thought about the world, what we thought it was, right? And this, our expression here, the reflection of the right-minded content of love can reflect in anything here. As Thomas said, we move from fragmentation seeing all this separation back to wholeness, 
recalling the pieces of our projection. And while we're here, we are leading with love, with our raising our children, being a homemaker, out maybe in what we would call a a job in the world, you know, whatever it is, it can be the contribution. And any job is spiritual when you're using it for the Holy Spirit's purpose. It doesn't matter what the form is or what you're doing. There's nothing more important than anything else, right? So I love that on your blog, Thomas, Culture of Mysticism. That was just well said, right? Well, thank you very much. It's uh, it's lovely to, to hear it uh, read out loud. <laughs> That's right. I mean, you were saying, too, that you want your body of work here also as A Course in Miracles and other mystical, mystical teachings are, are coming up in the culture. And your book is a part of that, right? And we're not just studying the Course or any other traditions that people are studying that are helpful to them, becoming more loving, more forgiving, remembering that we're one. It's not just about the studying, which is a big part, but it's about the practicing. It's about experiencing it and let that experience express through however that is again you guys however that is and so you were saying thomas that you you know were hoping and wanting to contribute in this way you know coming up in this culture right yeah and yeah and i mean the poems are an unflinching look at life. I mean, uh, I, I describe Los Angeles as it is. I'm not pretending that it's something other than it is. You know, uh, I wrote these poems through the pandemic. Uh, you know, I lost uh, my father uh, during the pandemic, not to COVID, but to, to other for other reasons. And, mm-hmm. you know, I write about all of these things. Uh, but, um, you know, the goal is to see the world as it is and then, flip into the right mind and then look at it again. And that's what I I have tried uh, to do with these poems. And, you know, at the beginning of the book, I put the quote from the very beginning of the course, all expressions of love are maximal. And Mm. these poems are my expressions of love. You know, there's a more direct way to express love, which is just for me to connect with you and and with the audience at at the mind level where where we are love. Um, Mm -hmm. But, um, in addition to that, I also uh, undertook writing a, a book in in in, a, in language, you know, using language uh, to to try to express love a different way. And, um, and and if anyone feels that or senses that, then I, I've done my job. Oh, that is so wonderful! Oh my gosh, that is so beautiful! I wanted to end this beautiful discussion uh, with you also with something that you included um, on your website, which I love. Um, you're say, you say, and I might be paraphrasing a little bit because I wrote it down <laughs> on my notes, there is no better symbol or better description of the Aten, a symbol of our collective memory of our oneness with our source than the forgotten song in A Course in Miracles. And I wanted to read those two paragraphs that you cite, which I love, for everyone. And I invite 
people listening, if you want to, to close your eyes or, you know, if you're on a walk out in nature, um, it would be a beautiful time to listen to this. And it's from Chapter 21 in the course, Section 1, The Forgotten Song, Paragraphs 8 and 9. So if everybody just wants to kind of take a deep breath in, if you're in a position to do so. Beyond the body, beyond the sun and stars, past everything you see, and yet somehow familiar, is an arc of golden light that stretches as you look into a great and shining circle. And all the circle fills with light before your eyes. The edges of the circle disappear. And what is in it is no longer contained at all. The light expands and covers everything, extending to infinity, forever shining and with no break or limit anywhere. Within it, Everything is joined in perfect continuity, nor is it possible to imagine that anything could be outside, for there is nowhere that this light is not. This is the vision of the Son of God, whom you know well. Here is the sight of him who knows his Father. Here is the memory of what you are, a part of this with all of it within, and joined to all, as surely as all is joined with you. Accept the vision that can show you this and not the body. You know the ancient song and know it well. Nothing will ever be as dear to you as is this ancient hymn of the love the Son of God sings to his Father still. So, you guys, I just want to remind you, what you really are is love. You are love, and you are loved. And Thomas, I just want to thank you so much for sharing a part of your journey. And there's always so much more. We'd love to have you for a part two. <laughs> on the on the podcast, and I just appreciate your time, your insights, your wisdom, and sharing your journey with us today. Well, I I want to say amen, and um, just thank you so much for having me. It's really been lovely. I, I'd love to do it again. Yay! We love it. And anybody who felt kind of that peace during that, remember that doesn't go anywhere. It's always there. You can connect to it any time. It's a thought away. And bring that awareness into your daily experience with you as much as you can. When you slip out into the ego, into the ego's thought system, just remember that you can go back at any time. And the more you choose it, it strengthens it in your mind. It'll start to become automatic more and more, and then eventually it just becomes a part of what you are, of who you are. So you guys, I love you so much, and I want to say that um, 
Thomas's website is thomasbruder.com. It's going to be in the description. You can find my work and all my online classes and anything I'm doing, JackieLauraJones.com or Jackie.News. And I want to remind you all that you are loved and you are loved. So until next time, be well and blessings, everyone.